guys, Kenise Middleton here. Danny Wright. We are Color Scheme. The most dynamic mother and son pair. Talking on topics like entrepreneurship. Personal development, being your personal best. Navigating corporate America, you name it. We got you. So join us, listen to these episodes. We got something for everybody. This is the best podcast out. If you listen to it, you will win. So, I don't know if we said it last time, but we finally have a name. We for do. the podcast. We do. Episode two. What's the name? Color Scheme. Color Scheme. <laughs> color Scheme. So why Color Scheme? Ooh, Color Scheme. The natural shades of business. Right. Right. We talked about the shades of gray. We talked about how there's the black and white, there's the gray. There's all these unwritten, unspoken rules to business and aspects of business. So we talked about the color wheel. We talked about just, you know, kind of designing what that looks like for you and came up with color scheme. You know, a lot of, I wonder how a lot of people come up with names because we were talking about how, you know, we didn't want the name to be cliche. Yep. We didn't want it to be too yep. like businessy. We wanted people to know, kind of know what it is a bit when they see the name. So uh-huh. we explored different ways to, to do it. I think that's what people do. I think they throw names up on the board. Just I think splat, they, splat, yeah, splat, splat, yeah. Splat. And I think they pick out what, what resonates with them and what seems most comfortable to them. So we play with a lot of different names. We did. What was the one that you kept pushing Square for? Biz. Square Biz. <laughs> I love Square Biz. So that was my play on the Tina Marie song for those of you, uh, you know, in my generation and maybe younger. Daniel actually, when I first told him, I didn't know the name, but I knew the yeah, song. Like yeah. When, when you finally played it, it was like, oh, Oh, right. That's what this is. Yep, yep. So I liked it because square meant, you know, kind of straight up. We're 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 not necessarily in your face in that way, but we're truth tellers and we're we're speaking in terms of t- truth. And biz was of course short on business. So, but you know, you shot it down. You said this isn't gonna work. I didn't shoot it down. I was just like, you know, <laughs> we should play with some more yeah. options. Yeah. But we said that we didn't want it to be too like traditional. We didn't want it to sound too like businessy. Yeah. And it needed yeah. to be something that was. Yeah. A little bit out of the box to like grab people's attention. I feel yeah. like some of the best shows and some of the best, um, you know, whether it's on TV, movies, or podcasts, like some of the best ones have names that don't necessarily you can't necessarily associate right, with what they're right, talking about or what it right. is. Which was I thought, but it catches point. on. And I didn't mind it being shot down. You know, it was just my 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 name on the board. But I think you know we spent a lot of time thinking through what kinds of things would grab people's attention and came up with color scheme. So and then even when you think about like companies, right? Like a lot of companies out here they're like their names just kind of you begin to associate their names with their brand but like yep, yep, yep. I'm sure a lot of people when these startups when startups happen it's like mm, that name is interesting and companies rebrand themselves all the time right they find out uh, nobody's really buying my product and they don't actually know what I'm doing so let me reshape that when, so, they, when you say they rebrand do they rebrand in the sense that they change their name or you mean like they change their logo both Hmm. Both. I didn't know I've, known, I've known a number of companies to actually, you know, just completely change their names, change their marketing scheme, change their colors, change everything about themselves and, and come up with a brand new identity with similar market, you know, market uh, products and services and so forth. But yeah, they do what works. What goes into a decision like that? I think it really... Because I've never been a part of that. I don't, so I mean, like, I maybe I haven't for, paid attention that much. So, but I feel like you worked. You may have worked at a company. Was it Bell Atlantic? No, 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 no. no. Oh. So back, back when... <laughs> we had several family members that worked at Bell Atlantic before it turned into Verizon. So ah, yeah, that's see? Why, okay, that's why, see? That's I got that's it. Why, I got it. But Other than, no, back when I was a consultant, um, back with uh, Booz Allen Hamilton. So Booz Allen Hamilton went through a number of different changes on how... Um, how they wanted to present their name mm-hmm. and how they wanted to do the color scheme <laughs> around okay. their name. So they went through a huge uh, marketing, um, reshaping uh, activity back when I was there um, in, the, in the early 2000s. And I think they've done a number of things after that. But So they didn't necessarily change the name, but they changed how it was represented. So the colors, the business cards, the branding on the buildings, the branding on their brochures, they reshaped everything. And a number of companies do that. And why did why did they do that? Why did, was that well, they that? felt like they needed to stand out in a different way. Okay. They, they felt like they were becoming more of a leader in IT services and cyber and, and other um, government and commercial entities. And they were kind of reshaping um, their market productivity, how they were becoming uh, productive in the marketplace. So they thought that it was time for a facelift. And it was simply a facelift. It was, you know, they wanted to reshape the look overall. So 
they did that and um i i can't say if it worked or not i, I didn't stay there long enough to see <laughs> but you saw but you did. saw the reshaping now because I, I was absolutely a part of the yeah i was gonna say because yeah. you, you've definitely in some of your your later jobs in government well in government yeah you flipped the other side and yep. you were the one yep. that was yeah, choosing contracts and stuff yeah, so like that branding came that branding came to you yeah right and so how would you how would you say that the two differences between those two aspects of the branding what what were they i think that and like how did it like like what you saw it as when you were there versus what it was once you you know was on the other yeah. side like what were the changes you saw well one of the things so i said i didn't stay around long enough to see i was there for almost five years but i couldn't say that it you know increased their client base or that they you know made more money from some of this rebranding but from there you know i've, I've been in other private companies and I've, I've gone through the process of helping with reshaping some of the the presence and, and, and positioning market but on the government side we we don't do a lot of that you know we, we don't do a lot of um rebranding sort of the the company overall we reshape divisions so there's a lot of there's a lot of reshaping of staff and divisions within the government sector, but not necessarily putting a face that for a cover on how it looks. So the differences are in pri in the private sector, they do a lot of the rebranding exercises whenever they think it's needed. Yeah, but like a company like Booz Allen, whose majority of their contracts are from government entities, do yeah. they really need to rebrand and do like a whole logo lift Sometimes. and coloring and all this stuff because I mean I feel like most companies do that because they're like more consumer faced yeah and like they want to present themselves in a different like you're not seeing commercials of Booz Allen on on TV you know like you we, might, you're not know. getting those I, I can't say are you are we I don't know I don't watch a lot of commercials these days because I'm streaming so much so much the only, TV but maybe maybe I just haven't paid attention to it. I think like the real only rebranding I've seen has been like oh all of a sudden a stadium changes its name but it's usually like the company yeah. or you know a football team i mean that's football like a sports team in yeah, general like yeah. those are the only two like at least that i've paid attention so the thing, to the thing is this so you asked is it necessary so i think it's about the business model and it's about who their target audiences are and what they want to represent because really if i'm purchasing a service from you and and you i've had a contract with you for five years i need to see you do something different the yeah. world has changed what are you doing differently for me i'm paying you the same you know or more money you probably likely have acquired new services for me mm -hmm. from me so i'm paying you more money so i need to see that you remixed you know and and kind of reshaped your presence hired new people increased skills rebranded yourselves uh rebranded how you uh, provide services for organizations. So those are the types of things that I think go into how they decide to do those facelifts and how they decide to change their presence. I think it's really about, you know, if I'm a company providing services to someone, I need to give you something different, new, better, greater. You know, I want you to stay interested. It's like, yeah. I guess it's like a marriage or being on a date. Like you wanna, you wanna, <laughs> you wanna if, it's go, if we're gonna have this longevity, we gotta, we gotta do some need, new tricks for me. Right, <laughs> you need to keep things fresh. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It's like the longer you have a relationship with someone, whether it's business or personal, okay, that's a, it's going that's, to that's be a reshaped. Very, that's a good association. It's going to be reshaped. That's a so good association. That's what I think they they think about. So, so then, if to to stay on that topic, how do we? How do companies rebrand when it comes down to like legislation and like laws changing? Yeah. Right? Like we're seeing what's happening with TikTok now, right? Yep, Where yep, yep. the US, well, India banned them at one point, yep. and the US is like, eh, y'all still in our data. The yep. US is a big part of their revenue generating yeah. because of how we spend money on ads and, you know, like that, that, that entire dynamic of like popularity, yeah. you know, in the social media. Uh, in the social media landscape, so like, how do if this ban goes through, what, like, what, what happens? Well, I as, think, a, as a brand, like, how do how does TikTok rebrand? Well, TikTok is global now, yeah. So they're they're gaining popularity, they're gaining um, monetary value in the U.S., but they are global. So do they need the U.S.? Maybe you know they're they're um, gaining a, a, a lot of money and and uh, social the social aspect of having. Um, it's company in the U.S., but it's it's in a number of different countries. So they could decide to uh, reshape their business model so that they could acquire more money in those other entities and say, 
you ask, we, we wanted to work with you, but we can still make money elsewhere. True. So they, they would have to so do... So it's just like a reallocation. Exactly. Of their, of their revenue exactly. generation. But, but, the, but the one thing that's really important, I think, for any company, whether it's TikTok or any, any other, when it comes to compliance, mm-hmm. when it comes to laws and regulations changing, that happens all the time. Uh, we were talking about, the last time we had this conversation, we were talking about all the different privacy laws that are happening. So yeah. the European Union has a huge you know, uh, consumer-facing privacy uh, legislative change, regulatory change that they've had um, in the past uh, couple years. And they've required that a number of companies adhere to those. If you're going to do business in the EU, you have to adhere to these legal changes. So how have companies responded to that? I'm not doing business in the EU. I might want to at some point. So let me show them and all the other entities that I am now going to include those privacy regulations, those new security controls, all of that into my company business so I can preempt, be preemptive in the way that when it's time for me to do business with you in the EU, I already have these controls in place. So that's how companies tend to get that's what leaders. So that's how leadership should be, right? Like exactly. last episode, we talked a lot about leadership, right? And right. like leadership needs to be proactive, not reactive. Right. And it's unfortunate right now, like we see so many companies that are just reactive, 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 yeah. you know, whether it's to social changes, whether it's the legislation, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. And, you know, to think even deeper about this, this conversation around TikTok and how they're rebranding, I think there's a whole nother side of it, you know, when it comes down to, to individuals who are entrepreneurial, right? Because like these social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, yep. TikTok, they yep. all allow, it's, it's changed the world because it's allowed all of us to be entrepreneurial and I don't right. Like, right. like, you don't have to start a business, set up an LLC, go to, go to school you to don't. be entrepreneurial and make right. money off one of these platforms. Right. In fact, you know, a, a, a big portion of the market is definitely people, you know, trying to show off or trying to, to, to gain followers. Right. It's almost like creating a whole world of actors and actresses. Yeah. But in many in many regards, it's people being their natural selves yeah. on camera and showing their personality and showing their lifestyle yep. or, or being some type of alter ego of who they want to be. Yep. Right. So like now with these shifts. Right. Because as a as someone as an entrepreneur who who gets revenues off of one of these platforms, yeah. I have no say in the legislation and the laws you and and don't. what's being changed um, from the standpoint of, of these companies um, and the way they can administer their services or their right. offerings, right. right? So like, how how do I, as an entrepreneur on one of these platforms, let's say TikTok does get banned, and yeah, you're right, they can go global now, but yeah. they have millions of, of people in the US that use their platform yeah. that are making tens, hundreds, so millions of dollars. What do I do? So you use another platform. <laughs> <laughs> use something else. So there are other platforms available. Facebook is still there. Instagram is still there. Snapchat is still there. There are many others. LinkedIn is still there. So you use what's available to you. But the other part is, as a small business owner, there are a number of councils that work directly with congressmen and work directly on the Hill to advocate for things that you need from a small business mm-hmm. perspective. So, you know, as a small business owner or as an entrepreneur, you have rights available to you where you can work with your congressman on, you know, and advocate for yourself and advocate for your community. So that's that's one whole separate piece. But, you know, there are a number of social media platforms. Right. It doesn't stop with TikTok. And TikTok is only four years old, so TikTok is still new. Facebook has been around for quite some time, and people have gained a lot of traction from using it. Yeah, but see... Like each one of these platforms are beginning to not even beginning to they do have yeah. their own niche following. Yeah. Right? Like their own niche following. And so, you know, we're seeing at least as an entrepreneur on one of these platforms, you're saying we're seeing a paradigm shift where this can set a precedent. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And and the precedent could be that social media companies become censored in a way that stops your ability to socialize in the community that you need to gain new business. How about we go back to what we were doing before? So here's the thing. So when we think about um, business continuity and and how you continue to ensure that you're able to operate in the way that you need to, whether it be to provide services, whether it be to uh, provide products, whatever it is that you do from your business perspective, social media is an enhancement. It is something new that has enhanced your ability to do that. So think about, this is a time to be innovative and creative. You don't need social media. Social media has helped, um, and I think it has helped in a way that 
you know, is off the charts. So we, we you know, I, I'm not going to argue about the fact that it has enhanced the effectiveness of businesses, mm-hmm. the uh, communication of businesses and so forth. But it's not the end all be all. There's so many different ways that you can still get your business out there, that you can still have communication paths with old and new uh, business associates that you need. There's other ways to market yourself. So you have to be creative in how you use social media and other aspects. I mean, old school, picking up the phone and calling people, it's not, it hasn't gone away. Email is not calling, going anywhere. Calling people is actually better than email. I've yeah. had more success there randomly calling someone. There you go. Being like, hey. Like, so this, 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 because people also because... You catch people off. You catch people. You catch people off guard. To be completely honest, people, people pick up the phone and be like, oh, "I didn't expect this call, like but it's forgotten. It's like, <laughs> right. wait, my phone is ringing. Yeah, <laughs> so, many, so many people are texting. So many people are emailing right. that they forget. Like, you can pick up the phone, good old yes. fashioned, and call someone. The phone still works. The and, phone is your friend. And <laughs> because so many people, at least in the business realm, are are used to setting up calls, right? Yeah. And like having these like more formal meetings like when they pick up the phone they're not expecting you to just it's almost like an average but if you're genuine on the phone right when i used to work at a restaurant back in like college one of the things they always told me to do is smile on the phone when you're genuine on the phone and and that personality comes through they feel it they warm up like they really do and and you have a better chance of actually getting what you want or what you need rather than on email exactly so you have phone you have email you have other avenues so I think, you know, this is a time really with everything that's going on with TikTok and, and the potential ban and we don't know how that's going to trickle down to the other social media platforms. This is a time to really tap into those other avenues of communicating, acquiring new customers or whatever your 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 business model is. This is a, the time to do that, to really start exploring that because we don't know what's going to happen there, but um, it would definitely hurt a number of businesses that are primarily using social media is there and that's something model. that's something that we haven't we haven't hit on yet and we may hit up on another episode or today but being entrepreneurial in a way where you aren't one track minded or yeah. or you yeah. or you don't put yourself in a box right? right like because we just talked about how these social media platforms created so many have created so many opportunities yeah. for individuals to act to show their personalities to gain revenue yep. right yeah and because it's a fad or a trend, because these things are something that everyone's doing, because it's social media, it's easy for us to just get into it. Oh, let me do this video. Yeah. Let me do this. Let me. I can edit it on my phone now. Right. You know, if I movie or whatever, whatever app I have, right? But it takes another level of entrepreneurship to say, okay, this is a barrier now. Like right. this stream or this direction I'm going in is now hindered because yeah. of some something out of my control. How do yeah. I adjust, right? And that goes to, you know, reading books, yep. watching videos, informing yourself, listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. talking to people, setting up Being meetings, trying to learn, right? Yep. Exactly. Yep. And I just hope that with this paradigm shift that we're seeing where, you know, we're starting to create more censorship and we're starting to, you know, really, we're starting to see big government, yeah. like, orchestrate, like, and, and, and put boundaries around businesses in yeah. a way, which is kind of odd, right? Yeah. Because we have a Republican, we have, not to get into politics, but we have a Republican right. government, right? That <laughs> oh, we do. always all about big business and capitalism. And, and where like, the money is being made and where the money is moving. Exactly. But now with, <laughs> with, with, with everything going on, with yeah. them trying to create more, with, you know, our policy trying to create more censorship around social media, like this, 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 this is becoming a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, it is. It is. So there's still opportunities for people to start new businesses to uh, kind of revamp the ones that they have, but they need to keep in mind what's happening. You just say, you know, we don't, we don't want to get too much into politics, but you need to be paying attention to what's happening. Absolutely. You absolutely need to be paying attention to the trends and how it may impact your business. And you don't want to be caught cold on finding out that you have this roadblock and it stops your business from moving. You need to be innovating along the way and being creative in how you provide your services or how you provide your products or whatever it is that you do in a way that still gets to your customers. Mm-hmm. So you need to be thinking about that as you go anyway. So That's very true. And that's another really great point because when I think about being innovative, being entrepreneurial or um, reacting to things yeah. that's outside of your control, that's everyone right now with, yeah. the, with this pandemic, right? It like, is. It's, it it's just completely flipped our worlds upside down 
and 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 you know, I mean, we talked about it a little bit um, when we when we had this discussion before, but um, you know, I teach too. So mm-hmm. as an adjunct um, at the undergrad and graduate level, um, I'm seeing how that's taking. Um, how it's being reshaped for the students and for the the other professors and other colleagues that have not taught online or students that are not familiar with online the online presence and you know some courses are offered um, synchronously where you're still meeting at a specific time with an instructor and some are not so they're being now moved into this self-taught environment so it's shaking up the world of academia and and people are I think trying to find their way in it and and you know from a from a from my position i love it because i'm i'm used to the versatility of things kind of you know shifting and and being able to work from home and work remotely but i still have that one-on-one presence with the students i'm still setting up sessions where we're we're talking and speaking live and we're engaging in that way but for students i know it must be difficult so you didn't take any online classes all of your courses were on site so what do you what do you think about how that might be impacting um, you know, your, your peer group, because I think you, you still have friends or have uh, associates that are in and school. It, there's a lot of people that are now deciding to defer and take the semester off. Oh, really? That is, that I is, didn't know that was happening. That is, that is a big trend that I'm starting to hear, yeah. Well, oh, because, you wow. know, decisions haven't, these decisions have, are just now starting yeah. to roll out. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of students have had the time to really, like, think about it. Wow. You know, and so... Now it's like, and you know, a lot of these, a lot of these schools, if not all of them, are not changing the tuition. Yeah, so I've seen you that. are paying I've the seen, same amount. I've actually seen a couple of students. I mean, a couple of schools are providing students with re- reduced, not tuition, but the the room and board. Which yeah. is, I'm like, really? Are you, you you really had to think about that? Like, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they are not physically on campus. Like, you really had to think about whether or not you're going to credit them for. I'm, that's just. But anyway, but a, lot people, a lot of people miss that, right? Like these schools, these institutions are still a business. They are. They still, still a look business. at the bottom line. <laughs> they, do. they look they at do. the bottom They're line. Like, can, can I really? What happens? To They're like, I still got yeah. When all of these students are not, I still got to pay for do, utilities of these buildings. Right, and I'm I still got to do their their upkeep. Or yeah. two thousand dollars back. I still got to pay all the professors the right. same. You know, they, you're right. It's a business. It's a business. It's a business. People so, forget that. So the few that I've seen that are actually given, you know, money and credit back for room and board are not doing it in total. So it's not 100 percent. Really? So it may be that uh, let's say you were paying ten thousand dollars. And I know that's you know, that depends on the school. They're giving maybe half or 60 percent back. And I don't know what, you know, how they're articulating this other 40 percent, but I think it's covering things like we need to keep this. We, we still need to keep this business running. Yeah. We need to keep the lights on. So we have to take some of the, <laughs> of the money that you would be paying if you were physically and here. And then that, that goes to why we're seeing so many students or why I've been hearing so many students are now taking the semester off because they're like, that. if. I still got to pay room and board. Or I got to pay the same amount of money and be on virtual online and yeah. sit and sit in my house. Like, and, and most people, people aren't stupid. Like when I was in college, <laughs> right? Like I knew that I was not going to get work done at home. Yeah. Regardless of whether it was right after class, right after dinner or late at night, you know, 10 o'clock at night. If I needed to get some schoolwork done, I was going to the library. I was going to yeah. one of these buildings that are open to do my work because there's something about right. having that separation That's of space. True. And like a lot of my friends or a lot of my, my, my peers or colleagues that, you know, are still in school feel that same way. They feel like yeah. I've been in the house for six, seven months now right. in quarantine. <laughs> I got to spend four more, four or five more months in the house with my parents, right? Because right? most of them going yeah, back home, back they ain't got right. no, no money that yet. Was a right? that was a everybody's back, <laughs> everybody's back over there first. Their lives right. are flipped upside down, and now it's like, and I gotta sit and try to right. be class, be in class all day. Right. And for a lot of students of color, a lot of first generation college students, yeah. what I've also heard is that their parents don't necessarily understand the rigor and discipline yeah. that goes into so being in, in school. So with, if you're at mm-hmm. home, right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're now having to do your schoolwork yeah. and having to be on online class all day That's and your parents and you don't understand step out and go to the library because yeah. things are closed. everything's closed yes, right so. and you can't just be yeah. in a starbucks or all these other places right, right? and right. your parents don't understand the rigor and the discipline that goes into your coursework or the additional yeah. hours right like you may have you may have you may be taking 18 credits right of school so about 18 hours of class a week yeah or 16 which would be standard 
but you probably got to put in another two to four, yeah. you know, for those classes to do your yeah. schoolwork, to do your readings, to write your papers, right? Like, and you in a noisy house with your youngest siblings, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Or your parents yes. are, your parents need help, right? Or, you know, they're bothering you all day, right. they need things, things for you to do. And they don't understand, like you said, the rigor and, and the demand yeah. of, of actually being attentive and sitting for those classes. And that, and it comes down to, to empathy, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know that I'm seeing enough empathy from these universities yeah. and these school districts, you know, if we're talking about even lower level, when it comes to, um, you know, college students and yeah. students needing to, to still well, be in I'll school. Well, I'll tell you, for me, especially for my undergrad students, um, when all of this happened, we were in the midst of the semester already. Mm-hmm. So we were mid midway. And between the pandemic and the racial inequality and everything just kind of, you know, rearing its head at once, I had students that were just like, I need a, I need a break. I, you know, can I get an extension? I, I just, I can't. What, what can I say? No, it's due Friday. No, I said, I said, you need to take the time that you need. You know, here's our window for the semester, you know, and here's some resources for you. So I actually gave them school resources so they could get help, you know, whatever help that they need to kind of work through um, some of the challenges that they were having. But this has been um, a, a mental challenge yeah. for, for everybody, I think. In addition to the fact that you have deadlines that you need to meet, you know, those those are still moving while you're in school and all of this happened at once. And like you said, to add to that, a lot of them are now back home um, and also they're home from school, but they're also home from work, which means their parents are also home from work. So everybody's in the house at once. And and um, that has, I think, really been a challenge for a number of students. But for me, I can't speak to everything that I know what's some of the changes that universities have made, you know, of course, it's been um, independent of each university. But I know for me as an instructor, I had to really rethink what this must mean for everybody. I know what it means for me and, and the you know toll is taken on me. But how could I keep deadlines or enforce time frames with students when all of this is happening? So I think it's really it was our responsibility as, as instructors and professors to to add some flexibility in how we were teaching, how we were working with students. And I mean, I had a number of students that just said, I, I, I'm not doing anything this week. I'm not going to show up. <laughs> I'm not doing any work. I hope it's okay. Can you please understand? I said, I, I do. I so, do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm an entrepreneur in residence for Georgetown's business school. And so I help undergraduates and graduate students, you know, formulate their business ideas, take their ideas from idea stage to startup phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if they're actually starting up, helping them think through marketing or whatever it is, operations, yeah. money, grants, finance, whatever it is to like get their business up and running. Right. And this has, again, flipped things upside right. down because all those same things you're saying, you know, the students I was working with to like help their businesses. Now, you know, it's like, I don't know what to do. I right. react. Or I was talking to these, to these individuals about, you know, um, getting, getting contracts with them or my customers now don't have money or like, you know, or, you know, now one of the, one of the young women I was, I was working with is, you know, starting a nonprofit and has been working in a charter school. And she, you know, because my nonprofit is doing virtual stuff, I was able to help her, you know, start yeah. her virtual programming. Yeah. But then it's like the schoolwork piles up, the, 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 claustrophobia of being in the house (laughs) and it's it's like really hindering and challenging so many college students to to deal with this 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 shift just like everyone else yeah right and well it's good though that you're in the role you're in a role to um naturally help them Mm. come through some of those difficulties but for the others that don't have you or someone else that they can talk to you know, I, I, I can imagine how difficult it must be for them. They may feel like it's Groundhog's Day every day and they're in this box and every they don't day. know what to do. And, and I think, you know, the, the fact that you're, you're working in a formal process to do that as an entrepreneur in residence and, and, and helping in that way, for those that don't have that, you know, I think reaching out to others and saying, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. How are you surviving in this? And, and I think this is a time when people need to be talking to other people yeah. just talking to other people like hey i'm just i'm struggling today if i look at these white walls one more time <laughs> if i try one more step and and i end up in the same space i don't know what i'm going to do and that's why we, we begin to see all these <clears throat> virtual happy hours and stuff yeah. like that but i'm like i'm not about to sit in my house by myself <laughs> and drink with all y'all some all, people are not 
online and just be, just, be, just be lit in my house by well, myself. Some, what the fuck is this? Some people love it. Some people love it. On a personal, on a personal level. You know, my sister, y'all carry you. Her birthday was in May. Yeah. So we had all these plans to do all these things. And I felt the same way. I'm like, I'm not doing <laughs> I'm not into happy hours. Well, I don't drink, but even still, I would go to a happy hour. But, you know, this is just corny. Like, what is this? Is, are people really doing this? But we had a virtual birthday party. Mm-hmm. We had a Zoom session. It was the best time. We had the best time. So this is the time to, it's kind of like things that, you know, seem so just ridiculous or corny or silly. Like anything else, push yourself to do it anyway. It's probably fine. You have to. It'll, ha- it'll be. You fine. have to, and that's what it, and that's what it's going to come down to for so many of these students. Because, you know, when we look at at students, I think a, a lot of it is people don't understand the power they have within. Yeah. Right. Like a yeah. lot of people, you know, they see others' success, and it kind of it it suppresses their own. It does. You know, like. Especially with social media, you know, if you are in the house and you're feeling right now, you're feeling like I don't know what to do. My business is coming. And you just seeing a bunch of people post and this they, and post that. You have that a hundred followers. They just somehow got right? ten thousand, and they appear to st- still be selling products and moving their business along. It does become frustrating, and it becomes um, uh, your, your attempts. Be, you become disheartened by your attempts. You know, yeah. it's like you don't feel like you're moving forward. But you know, I know in a lot of you know the view is these people are competitors but why not reach out to them yeah. you know uh, I, I always believe in the same when you say these people are competitors what do you mean when you when it talk when you know when you're uh, producing a particular product and you might see a competitor or someone that's doing the same thing as you mm-hmm. they now have a bunch of followers their business seems to be thriving yeah. i reach out to them you know yeah. I'm, I'm up and coming you know how about i share my products with you or how about i share my page with you or how about i just talk to you about what you've done i'm new in the business you know, the thing is, the only thing they, they can say yes or no. And yeah. I, I truly believe in a closed mouth doesn't get fed. I believe that. That's very true. A hundred percent. That's very true. That's <laughs> a very closed true. mouth does not get fed. Actually, so, so you know, you know Frank Luntz is a great mentor of mine, right? Yes. Love the yes. guy. Yes. And he, he said to me one day, he was like, you always, he was like, why are you always asking me for stuff? And I said, <laughs> closed mouths don't get fed, Frank. That's true. And he was like, I've never heard that <laughs> he before. Never heard it? Oh, it's so true. I was like, I'm gonna, so I gotta true. ask. Like, but it's all, it's, it's like, really, it really, like you got, you got the resources, you got, you got what I need. Exactly. You got what I need. I'm gonna ask. Ain't no ask. shame in my game, exactly. you know. Like, see, you, you know, you always been bold like that. You always, you been like that since you were this. But you're right. You're right. And I will also say that right now is a time for people to just, just, to just relax a little bit. Yeah. Like we're like. Like everything that's going on is is making us so tense, right? It from is. the protest to you know people dying from the right. pandemic to right. what we're right. seeing on the media and with right. politics, like and it just it's it's like creating so much like people frustration, emotion within it's us. Sad. Like, but this should this has to be a time where people begin to just sit back and reflect. And I think that's actually how students, you know, specifically can get over the hump a little bit more yeah. because right now we're seeing. Unemployment shoot up. We're saying right. businesses right. close, right? The job market is is becoming yes. diminished, yep. Yep. right? Yep. In so many ways, unless you're in, you know, like the tech sector, which is growing, right. you know, it's one of those grow. sectors, right? Yep. But other than that, like, right now is the time people just need to sit back and just, like, really think yeah. about, like, who they are, yeah. what they're passionate about, what their skills are, and understand that you don't have to have it all figured out right now. You don't, but I think it also goes back to what we were saying a couple minutes ago about the the mental challenge it is it's almost like you have to reevaluate you know what you're doing what your strategy is or was you reevaluate that and figure out you know kind of how you want to exist in the space but you do really have to take the time whether it be if you're someone who prays if you're someone who does yoga or meditation whatever it is that you do for your well-being and if you don't do anything maybe now is the time that you do but this is the time to do two things you work on your mental at the same your mental your physical your spiritual whatever that means for you but you also reevaluate where you are if you're a college student if you're self-employed whatever it is how can you work differently in this space but the challenge is still going to be there it's likely tomorrow that you're going to see more stuff on the news you might even hear about more people dying you know, you're going to hear yeah. about more injustice. Those things aren't going to change. They're not going to change. They're not going to change. So how do you take care of your mental at the same time that you're trying to grow up? That business? is why, if we're going back to branding, I, I've always loved Nike's 
mantra yeah. so much. Just do it. Just do right? it. Right? Because Just do getting it. started, Just do it. You're right. working on your self-care, starting to meditate every day, waking up early, all those things, they're a challenge in itself, yeah. right? Like if you aren't doing those things, it seems like such an uphill battle to just get to to get those things going. Yep. That you, you, it's like quicksand. You just, you just, you just, you just, yeah. you just kind of stop, right? right? Yep. Yeah. It takes take just in front of the other. Step yeah. by step. Step by step. Step by step. Yeah. And I'm really thankful, you know. Rest in peace to George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and. All the so, all the other victims of police brutality, yeah. but the the protesting that we're seeing and and the the movement that we're seeing right yeah. now, yeah. it is really giving so many people hope. Yeah, and it's 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 creating it's created a fire yep. within all of us that has really helped us get through this pandemic. Yep. if some of, if those things wouldn't have happened and those those individuals wouldn't have died yep. and yep. we wouldn't have created this this the civil rights movement. Yep. We might be sitting we the would, same thing. People would mm-hmm. be going crazy. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. would be going crazy. Yep. yep. They'd crazy. be sitting and, and doing the same thing while dealing with the stress and the mental strain of the pandemic. And now we're seeing people really begin to mobilize, right? Yeah. And I think that mobility, like, is, is like alongside everything that's going on is giving people is giving people the ability to 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 understand the power that they have going back to that saying the power that you have right yep Yep. and so now we just got to get to the polls we gotta get to the polls let's get to the polls so i think that you know thinking back in the past several years i i I understand i there's several different groups of people that you know don't vote or decide how like all of there's so many different ways that people view it. But what I do understand is the people that don't vote, that have the ability to and don't, when they when they look at what's happening in the world, they feel discouraged. I think a lot of people feel discouraged. And and I, I know that it's been said over and over again in different ways, but if you don't vote, that could potentially add votes to a, a party that you're not interested in or votes for another candidate. The, the more people that sit home and decide not to vote, could could really resh- reshape you know kind of the 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 view of the world that we have today it's going to change it's going to change whether you decide to do something about it or not yeah. but it's it's important for you to decide to be a part of the change because the change is going to come but you know for you I, I don't know if you remember this uh many years ago so when you were able to vote like i was just in your face about it like dad you gotta vote you gotta vote you gotta vote. you're just like okay all right i can vote like but wait you like wait, calm down like why i'm like but also because like i've always felt like and i'm sure many millennials and younger individuals specifically like in this area yeah i felt like my vote didn't matter exactly right because I like that's how you felt it's a blue state like whether what? i vote or not you know, like, and I also live in D.C. Right. You know, there's right. a reason our license plates say taxation without representation. I know, I know, but, you know. But the thing, you know, for me has always been whether whether it goes in your favor or not, whether the candidate that you vote for gets elected or not, you you should feel a strong sense of responsibility as a black person. You know, because we know black people did not have the right to vote. Yeah. And we also know that we had our ancestors were being lynched. They were being uh, killed. They were being discouraged, repeatedly threatened to to uh, to stay home, to 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 kill your idea of being able to vote. Like, it's not going to happen for you. You are inferior. You don't get to vote. And then even when they did pass the Voting Rights Act, you know, they still they still voter suppression has been going on for many years. Voter suppression still is still going on. It's still going on. It's still going on. It's still going on. But if you think about how many black people lived in fear were terrified of going out to go to the polls, that's why I vote. Yeah. I have to. I have to. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't decide to be home and to not vote, knowing that my ancestors died, you know, or, or, you know, marched and were threatened and were beaten, you know, and some killed. And I just stay home and say, oh, well, my candidate might not get elected, so I'm just not going to do anything. I feel obligated. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a level of privilege that we have on the backs of our ancestors now that, that have allowed so many of us to not vote as in people of color or black people yeah. specifically. But, you know, one of the things that I realized, I did vote, like you, you were in yeah, my area about voting, right? You, yeah. But, but when I got, <laughs> no. when I got to the, when I got to the polls and this is like when, when my, my, I was registered in Maryland. Right. 
I didn't know anyone on the ballot yeah, other than yeah. no, knowing that I was voting for president. I knew no one on the ballot, right? Yeah. And there's, there's such a miseducation it around is. voting, yeah. the voting process, um, yep. what candidates and constituents believe in. Like, all we hear is vote, 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 right. vote, 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 vote. There's not enough, at least personally, I feel like there's not enough people or institutions that are, that are helping individuals to understand the voting process, and I, and the, the importance of it. Like when, we, when people think of voting, they only think of really voting for president. Yeah, it's true. Right? Like they don't understand you can vote for your senator, yep. your, your district, your, 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 your congressional leader for yep. your district, your district attorney, your state senators, yep. right? Like how all And how these, much of a difference it makes. And how much local legislation directly impact what's happening yeah. in their community. Like it's, it, we, we are just miseducated in, on so many fundamental levels here in this country, and it's it's really unfortunate. It's really it is unfortunate. unfortunate, but I think you know we so that's a fact, and we know that we know that we're miseducated. We know that several of us, including me, have gone to the polls and was like, "Who's running? I've never. Who is that?" So we know that that's happened, mm-hmm. and that continues to happen. So now that we know that, what do we do about it? But it, it starts with getting started, right? Going back to that. That's I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep bringing up these same things, right? Going yeah. back to the Nike, the Nike mantra, right? Like, just do it. Yeah. Like, once I went and voted, it was like, okay, now I know because I voted that I don't know anyone on this thing. Yeah, because I can't right? continue to be and a so the, sword. So you, the, can't, you can't keep that soundtrack. Can't continue yeah. to play. You and can't so keep next saying time, I didn't know. I don't know. The next time, it's like, okay, all right, now I'm gonna look these people up. Right. Right. And like each time you do a little bit, you learn a little bit more. Yes. Right. And that's actually led me, you know, and. Rest in power, the, the, the great uh, Honorable John Lewis, who recently passed. But, you know, I've learned so much just from, from learning about him. And yeah. civil rights around, like, again, all, all of the legislation around voting and how, you know, there's so, so much happening around uh, voter suppression yeah, that it is. it's just even today it's despicable and, it's and until we actually time. engage in the process more we're never going to learn what's happening right and engaging in the process starts with you becoming you know educated about it because you know i don't know it, how it was for you in schools but we we learned about the three branches of government and that was about it yeah you know, we kind of learned what they meant uh the power of the president and that was about it so that's all you get in school like you don't get anything else so the rest of it when it comes to understanding voting, the voting process and becoming educated about who's being elected where you live and be, you know, beyond just, you know, everybody knows the president gets elected, but all these other different you know, roles, becoming educated about that in the process is something we all have to do. So that needs to be our next, our next podcast topic, you know, talking about the miseducation yeah. in our school system in general. Yeah. And like some ways that some of these, like, you're right, we need to, we need to at least understand our democratic absolutely, rights absolutely. You know, in this country. That is something that should be taught in school. Like there's, there's, you know, like you said, by the time you go to the polls to vote, you realize what you don't know. Yeah. And then you, you charge yourself up to do something about it. But, you know, if, if by the time you're starting to vote, if you think about how much of a gap that's been in your learning, you know, if you don't get it in school, then you have to have a concerted effort to figure it out. But you don't know what you don't know yeah. until, until it's, it's time. So so that's something that, you know, we, in, we have. And to, until you engage in the process, you also don't know how things are being changed and manipulated. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I, you first learn the facts. Right? It's, a, it's definitely <laughs> it's, a, it's a progression. Yeah. Right. When we look when we look back at history. Right. And when the, the Voting Rights Act was was passed in the 60s. Right. And like from then to now, how there was progress. And yeah. then it was regressed, right? When we look at like the the Shelby the Shelby County court hearing back in twenty thirteen was it yeah. twenty thirteen I think it was I think that's where, right. you know, there was a there was a section in the Voting Rights Act that said, you know, uh, past jurisdictions that have shown you know discrimination, you know, in the past, like before they changed their their voting their um, voting laws in that state or in that locality, yeah. they have has to be essentially approved or right. pre cleared by the Justice Department, yeah. right? And if you're not paying attention to Congress, you're not paying attention to the way things happen, that ruling came and down, the Supreme Court voted five to four, and then the next thing we saw was 27 states across the country now changing their laws. that shows the power and authority. That shows, the, so it's beyond just, you know, you have the House, you have Congress, you have, you have all these different roles, but it's beyond just, you have to understand where the power and the authority rests. Yeah. 
You know, because when we when we talk about, you know, people going out here and voting and then they hear, wait, this electoral college, where'd they come from? So you have to understand where the power and the authority goes and where it lies. So you casting your vote is power and authority for you as an individual. That is your power. That is your your ability to go out there and do that, you know, on your behalf. But then you have to understand where where it goes after that. Yeah. You know, where does rulemaking happen? Where decisions happening? Where does the power and authority rest? And then, you know, once you find out and become educated about that, then you can also figure out what's your right to to uh, impose some type of change. Like, what do you do? What is what is your what is your right as an individual in this country to suggest or offer changes to that because you'll figure out that things are not working well and you'll figure out where they're not working well so who do you talk to and where do you go and how do you navigate that so the first step is you have the right to vote what does that mean for you and what happens after that start there back to just do it start there and then Mm -hmm. from there figure out where where does the rest of the power the power and authority go and lie within the country and the different uh rulemaking bodies so and that's really the only way we begin to see progress yeah right like so many of us um you know complain about you know societal issues yeah the way our politicians are the way things are but we don't understand that we need to take the power into our own hands we don't realize that we have it that we have some power you know, it's it's a it's it's one thing to have someone to talk to about it or to complain or commiserate or whatever it is and, and vocalize that, but it's another thing to recognize where and how you can do something about it yeah. and understanding where where to go to to do that in order for that to, to happen and to invoke some change. So you ha- you just have to be inquisitive, you know, and, and all of the businesses that I've run and all of the staff members that I've had under me you know, that have brought things to me. I'm like, be inquisitive right. about everything. Like, yeah. you have to be inquisitive. Yeah. If you're not inquisitive, then you aren't able to understand and see what's wrong with yeah. the equation. Yeah. You're just taking it as a as a as a blank as a <laughs> as a yeah. blank canvas. Yeah. Right. But until you're inquisitive about the process and about what's going on, about how things can be better and what your role is, like you aren't doing better. And what a lot of people don't realize is when we just sit around and complain, we're complicit. Yeah, like we, we, we when we sit around and complain and we don't look into what our rights are and yep. what our votes mean into the rulemaking process, like you just said, and the power and authority that we have, we actually perpetuate all the problems. Yes, we perpetuate we what's yep. wrong with the system. Yep. The same thing that we are complaining about. Yep. We perpetuate it. We yeah. actually give it. We give that fire oxygen yes, we because do. we we just sit there and it's like blank space. Yeah. And yeah. until we realize that, and until we continue to push that message out, we're never going to see change. Yeah. We're never going to see change. And that's why, when we look at this new movement of defunding the police, right. like oh my goodness. We are really bad with rhetoric in yeah. this country. We're yeah. really bad with language, yep. right? I see yep. why guys are good. Going back to Frank, I see why guys and like Frank make so much money around communicating yeah, and effectively exist. giving words yep. and language towards yep. movements because, like, defunding p- police fundamentally is a great concept. Right. Name-wise, trash. Like, yeah. it, because people, it's not even what it means. People, people are like, oh, my God, no police? Abolish the police? Abolish no the police? police? Like, <laughs> Protect me. Right. Who's gonna protect yes, me? Yes, that is exactly right? what people think. But it means. like, that's not what it means. That's not what, that's it, not means. what it means. Yes. What does it mean? So, uh, defunding the police is really about. So, if you think about, um, you know, how budgets get passed and where money goes and where money gets allocated, every year funding for the police might be a line item yeah. that may say. Okay, we'll give them the same amount they got one million last year. We're going to give them one million. New they, York, they continue in to New York, that. The, the New York Police Department gets about four point uh, four point something billion a yeah. year. So, so check that. All right, they get billion. that much money. LA one point five. And when you tease that apart, what does that include? So, oftentimes we see every year, mm-hmm. especially in this area, in the DC area. We see so much marketing about new police officers being hired. Yep. PG County. Uh, it's on all of their trucks. Different, uh, we're hiring. Yeah. We're hiring. We're so hiring. So that, that is because of a funding line item that has given them the ability to add X amount of police officers because that funding goes to salary, yeah. benefits, and you know other things. So defunding just means let's stop giving more money there or let's revisit what they're actually getting 
and, and really figure out if we can take some of that money and put into social impact programs to put into some of where are the where are we having the most challenges in the country, in the states, in the city? Let's actually fund those. Let's fund some of the things that people need and stop giving more money to the police officer. So if the That's police so department, important. so here's the that thing: if the so police important. department in a given city has, I'm just gonna give a number. Let's say they have uh, a billion dollars. We keep it clean. Let's just, okay, and let's say let's say you know five thousand police officers, uh-huh. and this is what they here's their jurisdiction, and this is what they do. So if that Police department has not been effective in a number of different things. There are metrics, there are measures, there are all kinds of things that they're accounting for, that they're responsible for accounting for in that particular district, in that particular police department. So when you receive money, you should also understand the effectiveness of where that money is Absolutely. going and what's happening. So if people are being murdered, if we are having unrest, if we're having uh, crime is exasperated, if all these things are happening, the police is not effective. They, they can't be. You can't tell me that the police is effective if the numbers of, of, of challenges and crime and everything else in that, in that city or that state is continuing to rise, something else is amiss. So That's, figure out what's amiss and find out how to put money it, in those And you know places. why it's amiss? Because about nine out of ten police calls are actually nonviolent, right? And a lot of the situations we see that police actually escalate the situation. They Their do. presence escalates I mean, the situation. What happened in Atlanta when we talk so about ago. when we talk about what's needed yeah. and like the way people need people need mental health yeah. resources. Absolutely. You know, people need like police shouldn't be the ones that are responding to all of these different issues. When we look at the and things the police that police are responding to a lot of mental health issues. And they're they're called for, ev- for that. and they're called for everything, right? Yeah. Like police are called to to help your dog or, you know, police are called because of uh, something wrong with the street. You know, police are called because, you know, someone like we all call the same line for emergencies that we call 911 for a mental health emergency, for a physical emergency, for like, how do we segment those things? And so when we talk about defunding the police, we look at saying, okay, how can we allocate all of this money in all of these different areas that we're getting these police calls and that we're getting um, police responding to like how can we be very specific in the trainings for these individuals Absolutely. that can address yeah. these problems effectively yeah. so that we can decrease those things and ultimately yep. long term we'll see the cost of these social services decrease right right decrease so you're right and that's the something that people don't talk about like the, the labeling defunding the police i mean i think it's caused you know people to to be like i can't believe we're not going to have police yeah. at all and it the the labeling is 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 really bad but i think what, what really needs to happen is people need to understand what that actually means and we're talking about it now but when we see defund the police since that's the labeling that they have we need to have the bullet points under and say what that actually means because people are you know, it, it just it's just exasperating the other issues. We have a pandemic. We have all these other things going on. And now we're not going to have police. <laughs> so it really just and it really just is, is making people. Uh, I feel really allocating uh, to so many other areas. Yeah, right. Like yeah, even like when we think about training, there's there's individuals in society that, that have jobs that are I don't want to say less important, but don't don't need as much. They aren't as. How do I how do I say this? There's so many other other um, careers yeah. and jobs in in the world that do not require the same amount of attention as a right. police officer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That are required to have longer training. Absolutely. Longer training. Absolutely. And even like when, and like when we look at these protesters, right? Like what's going on with all these big clashes? Like our military is trained to de-escalate. You know, um, conflict with civilians in other countries more. Then our police are trained yeah. to de-escalate yeah. conflicts within our communities. Yeah, and, with and if they're just being taught to de-escalate, and they're not given training on, they're not mental health providers. Yeah, they aren't. They aren't. They, I mean, they're they're not trained to assess different types of situations. They're soci- uh, psychologists. No, they're, they're not therapists. So if all if they're if they're getting training on de-escalation and they're dealing with on criminality, you know, on criminality, let's be very specific. On criminality, but they're getting a mental a mental health. Uh, call or situation to deal with then we can we can really uh think ahead on how that might go yeah absolutely and and when we look at the history of policing in america let's be frank police were established to ring up black people that were runaway slaves or even when slavery ended 
we are still seeing the results of that today. Absolutely. So when, wh- why are we going to increase the numbers of police officers that continue to be trained in that same way? Absolutely. Why, why would we perpetuate that? So that's what defunding the police means. It doesn't mean that we are going to do with that, you know, do away with police. It means that we need to evaluate our other programming and, and figure out how to add money to those yeah. so that we don't need police in the same way that we do now, so that we're not calling them for all these different situations. Yeah. We have mental health professionals on call. Maybe we even have a number for them. Yeah. You know, maybe we have an alternative to calling 911. Oh, imagine that. If with, yeah. with the sheer volume of mental health issues that we have, why don't we have a nonviolent response? 111 number yeah, or something like that. Or non or individuals yeah. with, without lethal weapons exactly. responding to and yeah. that, responding Deploying to for that yeah, particular issue. To different issues that are happening. Yeah, so that's what defunding the police means. Others it, it's it's a different funding mechanism to to deal with some of our other issues and not putting more money into the police department that yeah. has been ineffective in some instances. And when we look at police reform, there's so many police officers that are that are overseeing communities and we can be more specific about communities of color yeah. that don't live in those communities, that Absolutely. don't understand the social issues yep. that are going yep. on in those communities, that yep. don't look like us, right? And when I say don't look like us, that matters because if you don't look like us, you don't, if you don't understand yep. the racism and the systemic oppression and the mental health issues that our community is dealing with, yeah. then you aren't empathetic and you aren't easily able to, yeah. to, to, to help us. Right. And like, again, like you said, what we saw in Atlanta, yeah. right? They could have easily said, you know what, sir, this is what policing should look like. Yeah. You know what, sir? You look like you may have had some more to drink. Let us escort you home. Right. Simple as that. Instead, he Simple ends up dead. He's dead. He ends up dead. He's dead. Like how how that is policing in America. Right. Right. Like he should have been if 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 police are here to serve the community, if yep. police are here to protect us, right? right. Like keyword protect, yeah. then he should have been escorted home yep, that's how you protect home. him that's how you protect everyone right. else around him if you right. think he's intoxicated he right. clearly wasn't causing it shouldn't a be problem. that we have so many situations where and i apologize let me let dead. me make sure i say his name gosh I, so many so many names so yeah. many names there's so many names. so many names and it's it's escaping me it's escaping me too because there have been so many issues but um but yes yeah, it shouldn't be that these 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 situations are escalated and Rashad Brooks. That's Rashad what it was. Brooks. Rashad Brooks. Yes. Yep. Right. And it's and it's so unfortunate. And it's so unfortunate. And one of the one of the arguments that I've also heard in regard to, um, you know, like policing the history of policing, you know, being with racist intent is, you know, like that's naturally just you know southern states like southern yeah. like racism was only really in the southern states where slavery was right like if policing was made for slaves but it's like no actually when you really think about yeah. the the Amer- the culture of america as a whole right and the unconscious bias when that happened and black people began to migrate to the north white people still saw black people as threats yeah. like police that that mentality of policing went from the south to the north yep. and so it's been across the board yes, everywhere we are yeah right and so you know when we think about the importance of individuals getting out to vote to understand the power that they have yep. to understanding the way rule making is made yep. in, our, in our country the 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 way to really understand you know one's own agency right. within our country right like we talk so much about democracy it's really being inquisitive and it's understanding yep. the power that you have and how you can take a step forward to creating real tangible change yep. in your community and the loss that's being governed, you know, over you, yep. over your family, over the people you know, yep. so that we can have a better country. Yeah, and getting educated when getting educated when it comes to voting, when you're finding out, when you're understanding who's running in your particular district or city or state, you can find out how they voted on certain issues or what their positions are on certain issues because it's not just is you you know i think some of us focus on well i'm republican i'll vote republican i'm democrat i'll vote democrat but really need to understand what what are your what do you care about what do you care about happening in this country and how have the people that are running uh how do they align to the things that you care about because we find out after the fact after someone's been voted into a position, we're like, I can't believe that that's the agenda they're pushing. Yeah. Well, they told you. 
<laughs> they yeah. told you. People don't just they come out of nowhere you. and show you who they are. Exactly. People have always shown you who you yes, are. Yes, they And they mask it differently, yeah. but that's the way that's the way it is. Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah. So you know, I think, you know, as we continue to progress forward, especially with this podcast, mm-hmm. like Man, we gotta keep giving people the goods. This was. I think we're giving them so many goods. This is the goods. We have so much more to offer. This is so the goods. This is the goods. This is yeah. the goods. We're gonna have to start getting people to send us in topics. Yeah. You know, for the next episode. Cause, I love it. I love it. You know, it. you got. That's a fantastic that, that, idea. Hit. This big old brain right here. This hit. big old brain. You got it too. You got I know. the big old brain. We, looked too. At the, we was looking at the veins before, you know. Yeah, it's so much in here. People can so learn from these here. things uh-huh. right here, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Color Scheme Podcast. Color Scheme. Wrapping up episode two. All right. Thank you, guys. This is great. This is awesome. This is great. You going to give me a hug and camera? You going to oh, give me a hug and camera? Oh, I always got to give me a hug and camera. Give love. <laughs>